Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, folks, this is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. We're going to talk a little bit about the State of the Union address last night. We're going to talk about MMT a bunch, but really not so much just MMT, but so much as understanding this lens thing. This has got me crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's got me absolutely fucking nuts. When when you understand the framework of modern monetary theory, you don't need to be saying modern monetary theory after a while. After a while, it should just be discussing inflation. It should just be discussing what happens when you are a net exporter or a net importer. It should be discussing the ramifications of when you have high unemployment or non-rising wages. It should be discussing the parameters around which macroeconomics is taking place. It should look at recessions. It should look at depressions. It should look at all the different factors, inflation. Everything that we talk about, affordability, resourcing the revolution, resourcing these things. We shouldn't have to even talk about MMT if you think about what I'm saying. MMT ends up being the lens that we use. But in fairness, everything you hear on television, somebody's providing a lens to you. You're listening to a lens of some variety. And usually what you're hearing is a lens of neoclassical bullshit, or worse, in many cases, from alternative media all the way across the mainstream media, you're not even hearing a lens, you're hearing a lie. You're hearing just a blatant lie, right? And maybe it's not even a lie, maybe they're just that dumb. Maybe it's just that ignorant. The takes are stupid, the takes are not taking into account any of the reality of the situation, okay? But every day, is an MMT day because everything can be described with MMT. So if I talk to you and I say, well, the government can afford any program it wants to afford payable in U.S. dollars. If I tell you that, is that an MMT take or is that just true? Ask yourself, is that an MMT take or is it simply true? The question becomes very, very important after a little while because your mainstream media is talking about taxes, you're talking about bonds, you're talking about national debt, talking about all those tropes that we have destroyed repeatedly. What is it that will take you and I and the rest of society to begin to say, this is not an MMT take, this is simply the way it is, okay? We're in a war, and you may not realize it because most of you are not fighting this battle, not at least in the same way that the academics have to fight it. And that would include myself. I'm not an academic, obviously, but I am a rogue scholar, right? <laughs> anyway, these academics, they've got a very, very tough job. They are fighting in a community that literally doesn't argue back and forth necessarily. They just excommunicate you. They just block you from being able to publish your articles. They block you from being able to uh, get your message out there and, and give it the credibility 
Because you see, even in our movement, people will come to regular people like myself and say, what are your credentials? Show me your credentials, right? And so there's all this like, you know, who are you to tell me? How dare you? What do you think? How do you know this? Why? You can't know this. But yes, you can. And when you understand the lens that MMT provides, an understanding of how the actual plumbing of the system works. When you hear someone like a Joe Biden give a State of the Union address like he did last night, it's a whole different game listening to that discussion when you understand MMT versus your prior life when you would listen to a bullshit State of the Union like that where you didn't have an MMT perspective. So it's fundamentally transformational to to have this view, but it's not transformational in the sense that it's changed anything. What it's changed is how you understand it because this is going on, whether we agree with it or not, whether we understand it or not, it's happening. So when Biden says something like they're going to have to pay their fair share, we can't afford these things if we don't have them pay their fair share or whatever, we're going to raise taxes on corporations. And you say to yourself, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you raising taxes on corporations? That's not to say that you have to love corporations to get this. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The question is, why are you raising taxes on corporations? It's a simple question. If you're going to tell me, well, we need the revenue, of course, man. We need the revenue. Well, revenue for what? What What do you need the revenue for? Well, we got to fund things. We can't fund things if we don't have that revenue. Well, we know that taxes don't fund anything. They don't fund spending. So those taxes go through the shitter out the door. They're not being repurposed. They're not being reused. So what is it that you're trying to to tax corporations for? Oh, well, because they're bad. And okay, I get it, man. I'm with you 100% fist in the air, right? But, But why are you taxing them? Because not raising taxes on them. What is a tax on a corporation? A tax on a corporation is simply a cost of doing business. What do corporations do with all increases in costs of doing business? Bueller, you in the back of the room here. Uh, yeah. No, hey, how about Spicoli over here? Uh, yeah, yeah. How about Butthead? You know, uh. Fact is, is that what it does is it passes those costs on to you and me, the consumer. So by taxing corporations, what have you just done? You have created inflation. You've created at least a relative value story, where relative value being a specific thing going up in price. But you have not solved anything you haven't made it any more or less able to be funded none of the programs you wanted are no more or less able to be funded what if you raise taxes on the rich now don't get me wrong soak those motherfuckers right soak them but but what's the purpose of taxing the rich is that they're not paying their fair share and therefore we can't have nice things and we need the rich people's money so we can have health care and we can have whatever See, if you come at it from that angle, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're a liar. That's not true. But if you come at me and you say, we got to do this because they've got too much power. They can buy democracy. 
this is a democracy killing thing for them to have that much power. And I'm going to be like, you got it, man. Now you're talking. But if you're one of those people who's running around saying, we've got to add raises, hikes and taxes to afford health care, because however could we afford Medicare for all? If you're saying that, you're wrong. You're not just kind of wrong. You're just outright wrong. Because, like, just, just something silly. You have to assess what Medicare for all does. It's not good enough to say we're going to give you health care. And so naturally the brain says, yes, we're going to give you health care. we got to pay for it. How are we going to pay for it? We're going to raise taxes. We're going to raise taxes on the wealthy. We're going to raise tax. No, you're not. You're not paying for anything. The government will keystroke those payments into the system and they will go out the way they're supposed to go out. That's it. There's no tax involved in that anywhere. Now, if you want to tax insurance companies for doing bad behavior, knock yourself out. But again, what is a tax on a corporation? It's a cost of doing business. And what will happen to it, it will be passed on to you. Randall Ray would tell you, stop trying to raise taxes on corporations. In fact, he would go so far as to say, eliminate the tax on corporations. Put the tax instead on the C-suite so that they can't do stock buybacks. So any any kind of wealth tax that comes through the C-suite, any kind of big-time money they make on uh, bonuses, et cetera, all that money will be taxed at 90%. Now you've got a game changer. Now you've got a fundamentally different situation, okay? That right there is a game changer, but that right there requires you to understand the function of taxes as opposed to the function of what you thought your buddy down the street was telling you about taxes or what some shithead politician was telling you about taxes, okay? Taxes literally never pay for spending at the federal level. Or since we're talking about the U.S. when I say federal, when you're looking at the currency issuing governments around the world, taxes literally never fund spending either, okay? Taxes fundamentally deleted. Now, in Europe, where the EU is run by the European Central Bank and, and so forth, and there is no one owner of the central bank, those states, if you will, those countries that are part of the EU, they, dun, 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 they're not currency issuers. They're not currency issuing nations and their taxes really do recycle and fund spending. And so when you have a country in the EU that is a net exporter or a net importer, you have a totally different set of rules at play, totally different set of rules. So I want you to understand that as you're evaluating the State of the Union, or you're evaluating Ukraine, or you're evaluating anything, you must understand the economic story. And so MMT, sh you shouldn't even have to say, hey, we're going to bring in three guests tonight. One of them will be a dipshit from MSNBC. One of them will be an asshole from Heritage Foundation. One of them will be talking MMT. This is one of those things where there should be no assholes and Heritage Foundation. It should just simply be, we're going to talk about macroeconomics, not ideologically, hey, I like this or I don't like this. It should just simply be an assessment of what this does. And it should be as simple as understanding that, quote unquote, printing money doesn't create inflation. That's not where the inflation comes from. You think about all the stuff that I'm talking about and you analyze Joe Biden. Joe Biden starts out talking about how we're going to invest in America 
so that we can compete with China. Well, folks, China is like, imagine being in a race and China has already got 15, 20 laps in the race at top speeds, way higher than you can fly at. That's what's happening right now. China is literally kicking our asses. So the idea of competing with China is kind of a joke. I mean, they've got billions of people. We've got 350 million people. If they were ever able to resource all those individuals with a job guarantee or something like that, they would even kick our asses even more. Okay. Right now they have got the industrial strength to do just about anything they want. They've got the number of people that they need to do just about anything they want. They've got public services for everyone in their country. They don't have to worry about getting bankrupt for cancer, getting bankrupted, or not being able to get their teeth filled or anything else like that. Okay. But you got to be able to know this. So when a Joe Biden comes up there and starts lying to you, when he starts saying stuff like rebel rousing, we're going to fight and they're going to fight and we're going to do this. And the resiliency of the American people, we're going to build local, we're going to manufacture local, we're going to resource local jobs, we're going to do all these things. Well, what does that mean? It means you're going to have all the pollution from those jobs. It means that you're going to have all the waste from those jobs. It means that you're going to now be trading your real goods and services for other people's pieces of paper. Inside your country, that may be very well and good because it changes the supply chain narrative, okay, which is one of the things that Biden spoke about. Intel apparently is going to get some major, um, you know, investment, you know, public-private partnership type deal. They get some major investment in building semiconductors in the United States because what happened during the pandemic? We ran short of semiconductors, and it raised the price on just about everything. It extended the lead times on building out information technology. It extended the lead times on just about everything. And if you're in IT, you know this, okay? Ordering these things is a real killer. So I want you to understand that every single day, every single issue, nothing is not described by modern monetary theory. And so if everything's being described by MMT, then is MMT really a thing or is it just reality right it's just reality so when you listen to the speech last night one of the things that should have jumped out at you was biden's continuing celebration of bringing pain and suffering to the russian people not just vladimir putin because vladimir putin is really who your enemy is there if you want to call anybody an enemy okay but we'll get into that in a second what you're looking at there is him ginning up the war machine, him ginning up the idea that we are going to go to war, that we are in this with NATO and that we're going to surround and engulf and blah, 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 Russia. And the Ukrainian people are this, that, and the other. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of big time flag waving feelings, a lot of jingoism, a lot of their heroic struggle. They're fighting to the death to protect their motherland, blah, blah, blah. It was just a lot of that same all. You could hear George Bush almost stand up there and go, mission accomplished. That's what I felt like we were hearing last night. Now, for those of you who didn't see it, you didn't miss much. 
it was literally one of those like circle jerk sessions, a lot of jingoism, a lot of like excitable people talking about the potential of war. But Biden also tried to use it as a way of ginning up support once again for Build Back Better. Now, what I don't understand about this is that Biden has already tried the whole saber rattling with China to try and gin up support for Build Back Better. That didn't work. China is not suffering any of these kind of political divisions. They're not dealing with a, uh, a corrupt Senate that has the filibuster. They're not dealing with corrupt guys like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. They're not dealing with any of that. They're simply saying, this is what we have to do for our country, and they do it. And it's executed and it's done. I mean, seriously, it's done. And they've got enormous, glorious things happening in China. Glorious things. I mean, stuff that are out of a sci-fi magazine, stuff out of sci-fi novel, whatever, man. The technology they're deploying is amazing. High-speed rail, glorious. The ports are amazingly built. Huge Golgothan things. Massive uh, machines and massive uh, transports and incredible supply chains. And they understand, and they've been belted in this One Belt, One Road initiative. And they are literally turning the entire world into a supply chain for their products and services. They're investing in other countries so that they can export their goods and services in there. But they're also turning a corner. They're also realizing that the days of just taking whatever crap the U.S. throws at them are over. China has been the dump for the United States for a long, long time. And when Biden talked about actually building in the states, he didn't address, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's intended to be an elevator pitch, so I'm not going to grill him for not having the details for everything in a State of the Union address. But he did not address the waste that comes back from bringing manufacturing back, from dealing with all this stuff. And all of a sudden, things that we had stopped thinking about are back in play. That's a huge deal when you think about where are we going to put old biomedical wastes? Are we going to put it in some poor Hispanic neighborhood? What are we going to do with our wastes? So peel it back. Think about what you hear on the news. Every time you listen to a news story, you should be able to dissect what they're saying. And if you don't know the answers to these questions, you should be in our groups like Modern Monetary Theory for Real Progressives group on Facebook and talk with people and ask questions. You should come and ask those questions because those are the answers that you need to be effective in fighting back against the real propaganda. And all of this is propaganda. In my discussion the other day that I did on the Ukraine-Russia uh, conflict, I spoke at length about the stuff that I identified from the IMF and the World Trade Organization and the World Bank. I discussed at length about the austerity measures they're imposing and what is austerity measures do to many countries. I took a look at Weimar Germany where Hitler was raised up because of the extreme economic situation. But here now, again, our response to Russia is sanctions. Now, how much of this has to do with Ukraine and how much of this has to do with them continuing their Russiagate angle? 
for uh, Hillary Clinton's failed uh, attempt at the White House. Uh, I mean, it's not much of a stretch. She's still got her fingers in the mix. She's still very much out there in the background waiting her turn. She still thinks she's going to grow up someday and be president. But ultimately, Joe Biden, I mean, God love, I mean, if y'all watched this thing last night, it was pretty depressing. I mean, Joe Biden called the Ukraine people the Iranians. He, he missed, he just misspoke constantly. It was like there were several times where you wonder if the teleprompter was broken. I, I wanted to say, if you all have any kind of decency, pull this man off stage, he's embarrassing himself. Now, I know some people will say, oh, that's harsh, that's mean, but I'm telling you right now, this, I'm, I, you know, the speech itself was very, very lame. He did tip his hat to some spending. He is trying once again to loop back that build back better. So that's the angle there. He's also building up your resolve. Should we end up entering into this conflict because it's a righteous war, right? He's got to build the case. That's a righteous war that we're going to surround them, that we're going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be epic. We're going to do all these things and we're going to diminish Russia. We're going to crush Russia. We're going to knock them back to the stone age. All he was missing was his little you know, flat cap, you know, lieutenant hat, you know, his, his, uh, um, Che Guevara hat, right? That's all his Castro hat. He was just missing that. And he could have been a strong man. He could have been like the hats that, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein used to wear, right? He was giving you that strong. I was waiting for him to shoot a gun in the middle of the place just to let him know he's a warring leader, right? Biden's numbers are in the toilet quite clearly. And so he's got to do just about anything he can do to stop the bloodbath that is certain to come at the election, the next election. Democrats have not delivered on anything at all. So the idea of trumpeting their COVID response would also require them admitting that they didn't give us $2,000 checks. It would also require them telling us that they didn't do Medicare for all. It would also require them telling us that they've done nothing for us for student debt. It would require them saying that they have done nothing to address reparations or anything else like that. They have not done anything to meaningfully address a Green New Deal or climate change problem when the movie Don't Look Up just happened and everybody and their mother saw it. And you heard very little, if anything, on that the entire time. The worst thing that came out of last night, in my opinion, beyond the whole drum, you know, war drums beating kind of thing, and you could just feel the flags flying and the proud chin of the propaganda and all the rest of it, right? The worst part, Biden comes out and says, A, that they're going to double down on enforcement for immigration. And also that we're not going to defund the police. We're going to fund the police, man. So he's going to invest even more into policing. So all of the stuff, every bit of it, every bit of it that progressives fought for, he basically said, yeah, ain't going to happen. I'm not interested. So we'll have money out the wazoo to help Intel create semiconductors. We'll have money out the wazoo to, quote, unquote, help Ukraine. We'll have money out the wazoo to do all these. But no, no student debt. No Medicare for all. No Green New Deal. But we're going to fund the police, baby. We are going to fund the fucking police. 
all this sounds like a, a total clusterfuck, and it is. Because out of one side of his mouth, they're talking about how they can't afford to do all these things that we need as people. And on the other hand, they're talking about spending on things that I can't imagine anyone watching this right here at all would be remotely interested in our government spending money on. How many of you guys would like to see us make a heavy investment in weaponizing our police force? Really? Nobody, right? I mean, seriously. But this is what they said. I mean, I was wondering if it was Ronald Reagan up there talking about welfare queens and, you know, ending the drug war kind of thing, you know, by, by killing them all. I mean, it's just, it's just craziness. So there's probably another spin to this. If you're a centrist Democrat and, you know, you like Republican things, but you want to feel like you're not a Republican, you want to feel like you're still a proud lefty or whatever. You got what you wanted last night because it was Republican light all the way. There wasn't anything about peace. There wasn't anything about um, stopping Nazism. There wasn't anything about understanding what creates Nazis. Because what you don't understand, because this is what surface level people do, they get wrapped up in the optics and they forget how things happen. I, I talked extensively about the IMF deals that are going on right now to fund Ukraine's existence because Ukraine, unlike the rest of Europe, has not really kept up in economic development. And it's not because they're not loaded with resources. They've been war-torn forever. They've had a bunch of coups. They've had a bunch of mini revolutions. They have had some invasions, some different things go on over the last 40 years. They're in bad shape. But they're also the grain producer of the world. 12% of the wheat is you know, put out of Ukraine. So the point is that there's a lot going on there. And the IMF, their role, as they've done with every other country in the global south, is to institute austerity, to free up markets, to allow the country to be good for business, to be open for business. So these are the things that if you get caught up in the optics of the Donbass region, which is important, but it's not what this is about, you will miss the point of the basic coup that is taken care over through the IMF. Once the IMF institutes structural adjustments, the country itself is, is basically at the mercy of the IMF. Think about that. They've given up their sovereignty to the IMF to dictates terms of austerity and structural adjustments. Now, what does austerity do? Austerity reduces spending on the public purpose. It creates sound finance, which a lot of conservatives and libertarians love. And it strips away the support uh, mechanisms for the most vulnerable in the country. As naturally, these sorts of things create scapegoats. They create all kinds of hatred within. And so what's going to happen now? Well, your guess is as good as mine, but my suspicion is we've seen the IMF at work across the world. We've seen their, their handiwork, and it is always producing something of, of negative value, of really, really bad value, of sucking resources out of the country. Now. 
could we give Ukraine uh, support to develop their uh, natural resource production so that they can be self-sufficient, not depend on the West or the IMF or anyone? Yes, we could. Why aren't we doing that? Because the point of the IMF and the point of the World Trade Organization and so forth is, in fact, to clear the way for markets and to, in fact, suck all those real resources out of the ground and take it and spread it around. And that's the deal. So this is part political because obviously the IMF is a non-government, you know, non-government organization that serves the government's needs, serves many governments' needs, serves corporate needs, let's be fair. It serves corporate needs as they try to expand and they try to grow into markets. And you hear a lot of people talk about public investment crowds out private investment. Well, if the public space, like in China, who produces great schools and great healthcare, was to suddenly say, well, we want to take on the Western model of for-profit healthcare. So they would eliminate the public spending on the healthcare service, or if they did, they would shift where it's spent and they would send it to insurance companies. Okay. So this paradigm shift right here, this right here is the kind of structural adjustments the IMF imposes on countries. If they have public services, they make them get rid of them. They have public buildings, they make them sell them or rent them out. They have parking lots that the government depends on for revenue at the local level. They go ahead and privatize those parking lots. I'm sure you see it in the United States, right? Where you've got all these private parking vendors charging out the wazoo on public property. Public property, property that we all own, but a private parking agency is now controlling access to those parking spots. Happens in Philadelphia. I'm out here in Pennsylvania. Happens Philly, Harrisburg, you name it. I'm sure it happens all around the country. All those parking garages that are on public property become private. All that stuff is shipped off. So this is what they institute. And then who benefits? Do you think the people benefit from that? No, because the government itself, now all of a sudden it's starving for revenues. It's got to get a piece of this and the private sector takes all that money away. And they bring it up to the top as usual, and it never trickles down. The 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 uh, pay for those workers that are going around with their meters, whether you like them or not, that doesn't go up. The cost of defending those that parking or, or or policing that parking, those those workers don't get paid more. That money just goes straight to the top. And so when you're looking at privatization, no one wins except for the very very rich. Everyone else loses. And it's the same problem with the ACA and so forth. When you realize that all we did was provide a guaranteed payment to insurance companies. And we have not guaranteed anything affordable whatsoever. In fact, it's to the point now where a lot of these plans don't even provide diagnostic testing as part of them. And you end up with these huge bills out of nowhere for medications you took because you've got to suddenly go get blood work done that's no longer covered as lab work under your standard uh, you know, plans. So once again, privatization at work. It's not that government can't do the right thing. It's that government won't do the right thing because its ideological proclivities are for neoliberalism. So I'm hoping that folks, when they watch the next State of the Union address or when they watch the next newscast, Rather than just sit there and go along and get all upset at the lies they're telling, 
practice sitting there and telling yourself the MMT story. Practice diagnosing what they're saying through an MMT lens. And then when you've done that, come back to us. Come back to MMT for Real Progressives group on Facebook. Join it if you're not already part of it. Come in there and start asking questions. Start talking about what you think you heard in these newscasts. Start explaining what you hear from these other alternative media people. And when you hear what they say, start diagnosing what they get wrong. Practice. And then let everybody know. And if you got it wrong, it doesn't matter. Getting it wrong when you're searching is part of the journey of learning. Getting it wrong when you're trying to learn, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Just come in and ask questions and learn. That is the kind of revolution we have a chance of winning, if you know what I'm saying. We don't right now have a chance of winning an arm revolution, okay? We just don't. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, our government and and the powers that be are outrageously stocked. We we don't we, that's not where the wind's going to be. And you already see that electorally, they've kind of got a lock on that too with their thumb on the scale through superdelegates and rig primaries and all those deep state operatives, if you will. I don't even know if state operatives, deep party operatives that have been in the party working the machines behind the scenes that prevent free and fair elections at the primary level, which they've already gone to court and proven they don't have to even have a primary. Okay. They're collecting all that money for what? To help fund the general election when they run the candidate thieves hand selected. <coughs> so Watch these shows, practice, practice analyzing them with an MMT lens and see what you come up with. Because like the title of this show, MMT is every day, all day, all things. And once you stop allowing the lie cycle to parallel with another, you know, hey, which is true? No, there is one truth. Now, you could take a dialectical approach, say there's always a different angle of truth. That's not what we're talking about here. When you hear someone say quant the, the, they printed more money and we have inflation now, one of two things. They're either ignorant and they've been swallowing at Milton Friedman's junk for like forever, or two, they're a liar and they are a Bitcoiner or something trying to pump you up full of this idea that you're debasing the currency and Whatever, and that's why you got to buy Bitcoin, right? All the lies these libertarians tell economically, it's bullshit. But you've got to be able to talk through that and know the truth. You got to know that you can't debase a fiat currency, a free-floating fiat currency. You cannot do it. You can debase a, 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 metal, a, a metalist approach, which is tied to gold. You can debase that because it's tied to gold. So if you print more money against that pile of gold, you have debased it. Excuse me. So I hope that some of this stuff helps you because it's important for our, you know, I'm, I'm so worried about whether we even have a movement half the time anymore because I look and I see half the folks distracted with nonsense. I see the other half of the folks out there running around literally checking out. They've given up. And so it leaves a tiny handful, a cadre of people that are willing to do the hard work. And so I'm hoping that you all who are listening to this begin to really absorb these insights and begin analyzing what you see 
and beginning to talk to candidates that you want to run and listening to them with a very critical ear and thinking through what they're saying and coming out the other side with an analysis, a class-based analysis, understanding the working class versus the oligarchs and the plutocracy and understanding also the money story, understanding that the government is the creator of the dollar, regardless of all the other shit people talk. The government is the owner, the patent holder of the unit of account. If they outsource that ability, they outsource that ability. It doesn't impact whether or not the United States government is sovereign over the dollar. It is 100% in Congress, based on Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, has the power of the purse. This has not changed. It's true. It is what it is. So if you can identify that in everything and listen, the minute they start talking about how you're going to pay for it, the minute they start talking about all the factors that we just talked about from inflation, you name it, you should be able to debunk that relatively quickly. And if you don't, like I said, ask questions. There are people that are willing to answer those questions. And whether they be through real progressives or other groups out there, other economists, look, it doesn't do any good to have somebody who's trying to collect people lie to you and tell you that we can do Medicare for all state by state in every one of the 50 states. If they lie to you and say we can do that across the country in all the 50 states, they're not probably a credible source, okay? Because states are not currency issuers. States are currency users. And they have to take on private debt, just like we do in a different way, okay, to be able to pay their bills, or they have to receive tax revenues, or they have to be bondholders that pay off uh, things. But you look, I've talked about this many times, you look at the comprehensive annual finance reports for each state, and you'll realize the vast majority of states have unfunded pensions. States like Pennsylvania that are deeply in bed with fracking companies because they're trying to fund their initiatives. This is what this race to the bottom does. But if you don't understand that, you're going to be angry at me for saying your, your idea for Medicare for all isn't a good idea because of the funding mechanism. And you'll get mad at me when I'm just telling you the facts. But the facts are when you have a lens, use the lens to analyze the truth. Now, sure, you could sit there and stand on a chair with one leg, bring your other knee up, hold it, put an aluminum foil on your head tap your nose five times and call that a process that you need to do to make it rain outside. You can do that. And you can do that with economics too. doesn't make it so though. You understand? You can have all these ideas, all these twisted spaghetti logics, and you can put them in place. It doesn't mean that that's the story. Even if you put them in place, it doesn't change the fact that the government can never go broke on debt denominated in its own currency ever for any reason. So when you look at these things, when you understand these things and you develop the confidence to speak authoritatively or at least speak as someone in the know, you could defer to the authorities. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no reason you have to tuck tail and turn your head to the ground because you don't fully understand something. It's time for everyone because those people on TV that are getting paid the big bucks, they don't know their ass from their elbow. If you scratch the surface slightly, you get nothing but empty vessels. They don't know shit from Shinola. So don't you hang your head down. Take the time to learn. 
Take your time to push back. That's where the real activism is going to be, folks. Debunking lies and stuff like that. I know it's all fun to be, you know, conspiracy theorists and run around being James Bond and dun, 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 dun. Mission Impossible. It's spicy and exciting. But if you will suffer through the boredom of understanding how the money story works, you can demystify all the spaghetti Gordian knots they put together and all these Rube Goldberg machines. And you can get it to a straight line to say, government can pay for anything it wants to. No problem at all. Zero. The only thing is, can you resource it and can you get the votes for it? That's it. Anything beyond that is a lie. It's that simple. It's so simple. A caveman can do it, right? Smash that easy button. Smash the like button, by the way, and please subscribe. And also, please become a monthly donor if you aren't already. We desperately need support financially and volunteers. We need support in every way possible. We're a 501c3, and we are trying as a grassroots organization to help you, the people, to be able to understand very, very difficult subjects on economics that are made intentionally difficult. We are one of the only outfits doing this. Obviously, the academics do it every day. But as far as a nonprofit seeking to do this, we are one of the very few. The Modern Money Network is doing this as well. We're doing it differently. We're all doing it. We're all in our own spaces, doing our own thing. I'm here to tell you, we need your support. I don't ask for it like this very often, but I'm telling you right now, without your support, we can't do shit. A lot of us work full time and do more hours on doing this kind of stuff than we do our day jobs because we stay up all night preparing, working, digging. We need your support, folks, even as small as a dollar a month, $5 a month. And for those who can afford it, we've got folks that are 50 and $300 a month. We need people that can donate to us because we can't do the things we're trying to do without your support. We're all volunteers. Every one of us, every hour we put in here is a volunteer hour. We're not on the payroll. We're not getting paid for this yet. We would like to be able to pay people at some point because it's wrong for us to have people working 50, 60 hours and not be able to get paid because we don't have enough coming in, but we believe in our mission and we need your support. We, I'm, I'm, I'm asking point blank. We definitely need your support. We need our own volunteers to kick in money if they can. We need people on the outside that are watching to kick in money. And we need the academics who we constantly lift up and put on pedestals. If you can be a donor, Bottle Kaboob is a donor. He's also on our board. We need your support. We are doing good work and we need your support. So with that, I'm Steve Grumbine with the Rogue Scholar, hoping you guys had a good time today, hoping that we got something accomplished, and hoping that ultimately, I'm trying to get to my finish bar here because this is challenging. That's the other thing. I'd love to have a guy in the booth with me like I do when I'm on status. Wouldn't it be great if I wasn't searching around the middle of my damn live stream because I can't get help? I need help here too, damn it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.